0: Good morning. Can I have you make your way back to your seats, please? I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and we're going to take a look at verses 18 to 21 today. We're about in the middle or maybe maybe on the on the second half or the second side of our series on the Holy Spirit, and I thought it might just be worth taking a moment, just to even talk briefly here at the, at the outset, you know, why are, we, why are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Some might even wonder whether this is a valid uh, series to give a, just a very, you know, specific focus on the Holy Spirit. Um, and there's several reasons why. Um, the most important reason is because we believe it's biblical right before Jesus went to be with his disciples, or excuse me, went, went to the cross and then would be raised and go to be with the Father, he was with his disciples for a night, and he had a lot of things to share with them. And we call it the Last Supper Discourse or the Final Supper with his disciples. He had a lot of things to share with them, and one of the most important things he shared, and he shared quite exhaustively, was about the Holy Spirit was about this person who was going to come, who was going to be another helper. I mean, Jesus is saying, I've been with you. You've been with me. We've been doing life together the last three years. And he says, there's going to be another helper who's going to come. And imagine the disciples who had been with Christ for three years, and then to be be hit with the reality that very soon he's going to be gone. And Jesus said, there's going to be another helper. He's going to come. Jesus also called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth, who would lead and guide his people, his disciples, all the way through church history to to the present day. The Spirit of truth would lead and guide God's people into all the truth. Uh, He he said the Holy Spirit would come, and the the disciples at that time, he said, you've known him because he's been with you, but soon he's going to be in you, and he's going to empower you to do all that I've called you to do. One of the last things he said to them, this was actually after he was raised from the dead in John twenty twenty one, a passage I think is very formative in my thinking about the, the purpose of, of the Holy Spirit coming to our lives to fulfill God's purpose in, in the earth through us. John twenty twenty one says, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then right after that, he said to them, as a the father sent me, even so I send you. So all this is just absolutely necessary for certainly his early disciples, but, but for us too, that we would know the Holy Spirit and his work in our life, that we would submit to him, that we would fellowship with him, that we know his empowerment. Last week, we talked about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. A few weeks back, we talked about the, the spirit of adoption. He's in us, and he's crying out through us and in us. Abba, Father, just bearing witness that we belong to God, this absolutely powerful inner witness that we are God's children. All of this is absolutely necessary, and it's necessary for us to actually live as disciples of Jesus in the world. To live absent minded of the Holy Spirit, we do that to our own peril. We live apart from Him largely. We live apart from His empowerment, apart from His grace, apart from His truth ministry in our lives. And so we need this. And, um, you know, Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God, and it was on the Holy Spirit. And it was, it was a book centering on that, that largely we, we talk about God the Father who sent Jesus. You know, John three sixteen for God the Father loved the world and he sent his only son. We, we talk a lot about Jesus, but oftentimes the Holy Spirit is relegated to kind of the second class person in the Trinity. And uh, we, need to, we need to give him his due because he has an important um, place in our lives absolutely necessary place in our lives. So with that, Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, would you follow along with me in your Bibles or on your bulletin? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. You have exalted Jesus Christ in our lives. You have made him known to us so that we've believed in him. Because you've spoken this word and sent your son to do what only he could do, for he accomplished what we never could, lived a perfect life, died as as a sin offering for sinful people like us, and rose again so that whoever believes in him is joined to him and saved and reconciled to you. Father, we thank you for that. That's the only basis in which we can come to you today. And so on that basis, we do come, and we pray that you teach us through your word. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Make your presence known. Teach us this morning what you have for us through this text, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a command for us today. It's a very clear command. It's a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What I want to do this morning is I want to break this apart in three sections, my message, right? The first is I want to answer the question, what is it to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Then I want to look at, after that, the second part is look at what are the results of those who are filled with the Holy Spirit? And so we can we don't want to look at other people, but we can, we can look at our own lives and say, okay, am I, am I someone who's full of the Holy Spirit? And then finally, the third section, I want to talk about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to receive this filling of the Holy Spirit. So this is, an inher- this is part of the inheritance for every Christian that Jesus Christ secured through his work on the cross and resurrection, that we would know the filling of the Holy Spirit. We know the fullness of the person of the Holy Spirit. Notice here, it's a command here in, the bi- here in this passage. It's not a suggestion, it's not a recommendation. We are commanded as believers in Jesus to be filled with his Holy Spirit. John Stott said this, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is emphatically not a privilege reserved for some, but a duty resting on all. Let me read that again, okay? The fullness of the Holy Spirit is emphatically not a privilege given to some, just a few over here, some hyper-spiritual folks or those who have been Christians for a long time, but it is a duty resting on all. Being filled with the Spirit means being filled with the immediate presence of God resulting in you feeling what God feels, desiring what God desires, doing what God wants, speaking his words powerfully, worshiping with joy and thanksgiving, praying and ministering in God's strength, and living humbly before others. Okay, I think that's what this passage says, all right? You might say, well, that sounds great, but does it actually say that? Well, let's jump into it and see, because if this is just my thoughts, who gives a rip, right? Who cares if these are just my thoughts? But if this is actually what God's word says, then we need to give it our full and complete attention. So is this what God is saying? To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with his immediate presence and it manifests itself in all of these different ways. It results in all these powerful ways in our lives. And I want this to be right before you this whole time. This is part of the inheritance for every person who who's born again, who believes in Jesus, who's trusted in Christ for eternal life. God is not interested in just saving you and taking you to heaven someday, right? He wants to do that, but he wants you to live life here, full of his presence, full of the Holy Spirit, and do what he's called you to do. All right, so let's jump into this passage. What is it to be filled with the Holy Spirit? First, I wanna draw your attention to how Paul starts off, verse 18, he says, don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why does Paul contrast being drunk with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I think there's two reasons. I'm gonna, uh, there's one that's in the immediate context, and then there's another one I think we can draw out of here as well. The first we see from the broader context. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 16. It says this, <clears throat> actually look at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine. So Paul's saying the days that we live in are evil. He's talking to first century Christians. Of course, days back then were evil. Days today are still evil. He's saying, don't live foolish, don't live as unwise, but live as wise, knowing what God's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is Paul's purpose here? When days are evil, when we're going through challenges and difficulties, and we all are to varying degrees, right? We all have challenges, we all have trials before us, maybe right before us, maybe almost blinding, it's right there, we can't see anything else, We are tempted to go to something or we want to go to something to find relief from the difficulty of life. Many people turn to alcohol to do that. People run to alcohol for, what do they call it? Happy hour, right? They want happiness. They want joy. They want relief from the difficulties of life in this world that is fallen and evil. And Paul says, don't do that. Now, it's not only wine that people run to. There are all sorts of different things that people run to in order to find relief from the stresses and the pressures and the weightiness of life from this evil world that we live in. People turn to all sorts of different things. They turn to shopping. They turn to television. They turn to food they turn to social media it's a new phenomenon in the last 5 years all sorts of different things to somehow kind of medicate our hearts and minds from the pressures and difficulties of life don't we do that i'm not the only one right okay paul says don't do that don't be drunk with wine don't be drunk with television don't be intoxicated with social media Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Don't run to something else for happy hour, alcohol, or something else to bring relief to your mind and heart. Rather, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I also think Paul contrasts being drunk with wine... Notice he says drunk. He doesn't. He's not, talking about, he's not prohibiting dr- having a drink, but being drunk with wine, intoxicated with wine, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. He draws out this contrast to also draw out a parallel. What's wrong when someone is drunk with wine? They're under the heavy influence of wine. You might say they're under the power of wine. You might say they're almost controlled by wine. In my younger years, I drank some and did other things too. And I I know what it's like to be under the heavy influence of a substance where you almost don't have control over what you're doing. Paul's saying, don't be under the control of wine or anything else. Don't be intoxicated with those things, but rather be under the influencing or the powerful influence of the Spirit. Be... I don't want to sound, you know, crass, but be intoxicated with the presence and person of the Holy Spirit. Be so filled with him that he is controlling influence in your life. Be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Be under the heavy influence of the Holy Spirit. When Paul talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I also want to draw to your attention. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This word is significant, to be filled. You know, in our home, when when I fill up my kids' glasses of water or milk or juice or pop or whatever, especially our younger kids, to fill it up for them is half full. That's it. We have a few kids that just have a propensity for spilling, and they get half a cup, right? But if I'm going to fill it up full for myself or my wife or someone else or one of our older children, we still have about an inch at the top, right? Here, Paul's not talking about filling up half full. He's not talking about being a half full kind of Christian, a glass half full kind of Christian. He's not even talking about leaving a half an inch or an inch at the top. To fill, in Paul's mind, is fill to over flowing. The, the word play pleru speaks of being filled to the point of running over so that there is no lack at all. To fill to the brim. It reminds me of David in Psalm 23 a psalm that is well-beloved. Many of you probably know the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not once, how it starts. There's a phrase in there later on where Paul, or excuse me, David says, my cup, I, I learned it long ago in the King James, so we said, my cup runneth over, right? My cup is overflowing. Paul says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Be so full. If you have a full glass all the way to the top, all the way to the top, so there's not an inch or a centimeter or even a millimeter at the top, and you just nudge it a little bit, it begins spilling out. We should want to be, we should be full of the Holy Spirit so that if someone comes up and bumps into us, some of the Holy Spirit leaks out, okay? Might be helpful to think of it that way. So be filled with the Holy Spirit, not partially, not glass half full, Christian, but full to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. This word filled, this verb filled, is also a present tense imperative. We talked about the imperative part. It's a command, but it's an ongoing command. It's a command today and it was a command yesterday, and it'll be a command tomorrow, and next year, and 10 years from now. It's as if Paul, in in the Greek, it sounds like Paul is saying this, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled and keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a one-time event, but a lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit, something we should seek day after day after day. And as I talked earlier about our need for the Holy Spirit, it's hard to overestimate our need for the Holy Spirit. We should long to be full of the Holy Spirit day after day after day after day so that we can love those around us more fully so that we can bear witness to Christ, who he is, what he's done, how amazing and wonderful he is. Be filled and keep being filled. Richard Gaffin puts it this way in his commentary in Ephesians. The command to be filled and keep being filled is relevant to all believers throughout the whole of their lives. No believer may presume to have experienced a definitive filling of the Holy Spirit so that the command of verse 18 no longer applies. Short of death or the Lord's return, it continues in effect for every believer. You got that? I mean, you might say, I had such an amazing experience. I was so full of the Holy Spirit yesterday or last week. Man, it was sweet. And amen to that. Amen. But are you filled today? Are you full of the Holy Spirit now? Are you walking in his fullness now? So be filled. The verb is continually. The idea of continually. Be filled. Be filled now. Seek to be filled tomorrow. Tomorrow. Seek to be a spirit-filled Christian at all times so that you can fulfill God's purpose, live to his glory. Now, this might be so obvious that we overlook it, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God, is what Paul is saying. Be full of God. The God who spoke everything into existence. The God who, before there was anything, the, the, earth, the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the, wor- the earth, or the face over, the, over the face of the waters. Before there was anything, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God spoke, let there be light. In the beginning, God spoke, let the earth be formed, and, and made everything that we see and know. Everything that we know and see, God made. And this God. This God, who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are commanded to be full of God the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys are getting this. This is astonishing, absolutely amazing. Me in this mortal body, in this tiny, weak, sometimes shriveled heart, God is saying, I want to enlarge your heart. I want you to be full of me. Amen? You guys getting this? Some of you guys are like, yeah, we already know this stuff. Every day I'm living there. All right, I'm not. All right, sorry. I'm not living there every day. Be full of God, the Holy Spirit. And finally, this verb, play this verb filled, be filled, this command is plural, as though Paul is speaking to, in this context, the church at Ephesus. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have a tendency to, In our culture, we pride and value rugged individualism. We tend to to apply everything to the individual, and we we should certainly do that. I want you to be filled individually. But the fact that Paul is saying, be filled, church, means that this command has much to do with community life. It's not as though be filled so you can go home in your closet on your own and enjoy God and read your Bible privately. That's, That's important. That's good. But be filled, church, and let the fullness of the Holy Spirit fill everyone here, everyone here, so that real life church is a church filled with the Holy Spirit. The people of God must be filled with the presence of God so that their worship, our worship here is transformed and our relationships are transformed and the Holy Spirit is manifest in many different ways through many different people bringing Radical and powerful transformation. So, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to not be drunk with wine or intoxicated with anything else, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not to run to anything else, but to seek the Holy Spirit and to live under His powerful influence. To be filled is to be filled to overflowing. To be filled is to, to continually be filled day after day after day to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit and not rest on a, an experience that happened in the past. To be filled is to be filled with God himself. And to be filled has much to do, has much application for the community, for the corporate, and not mainly just for the individual. Although it certainly has to be individuals that are full, right? Right? So what does this result in? What does being filled with the Holy Spirit result in? Well, in a word, in a word, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be a Spirit-filled church, and I want to try to speak more in terms of being a Spirit-filled church than just individuals running around full of the Holy Spirit, okay? What does this result in? In a word, it results in transformation, powerful explosions of change and transformation that bring glory to God and show that he's powerfully at work among a company or community of people. Look at verses 19 to 21. I'm just going to read all these verses and then I'm going to back up and I'm going to point out three or four different things. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what does this result in? Being filled, first being filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 19 says, results in, excuse me, being filled with the Holy Spirit transforms our ministry to others, okay? Being filled with the Holy Spirit transforms our ministry to others. Why? Why? Because we're full of the Holy Spirit. We're not, just being, we're not just full of being a nice person, but we are full of the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is for all of us. Every Christian here, it's not just for a few. This is a command for all. So when we are full of the Holy Spirit, it transforms our ministry to others around us. Verse 19, the first part, Paul says this, be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another. The one another, okay? Okay addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I I don't think Paul means we just go around singing songs to each other. But I think maybe we should, right? Maybe we should. We probably should some. I know my wife does that sometimes. She feels like God gives her a song for someone. She calls them on the phone and this might seem kind of weird, but I'm going to sing a song to you. Maybe more of us should be doing that, okay? Addressing one another, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, there's a song in our heart. The hymns of God are in our heart, and we speak to one another out of that place, okay? It's not just our words, but we're full of God, we're full of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, and we speak to one another in these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, these inspired words that flow from a heart that is full of the Spirit. And when there is that, it transforms the atmosphere in a place. We all know what it's like when you have a gathering and you're having a good time, and someone walks in the room and just says something that just kind of just puts a chill in the air whether it's a complaint, whether it's, you know, calling somebody out on something. But on the other side, we all know what it's like, hopefully, when, when we're gathered together and someone says something, and you just know it's from the Lord, and you just know it's full of life, and it's like, wow, just changed the atmosphere. We are to be full of the Holy Spirit, and it results in this. Being filled with the Spirit transforms our ministry in how we speak to others. Here's a second way. Verse 19 also says that being filled with the Holy Spirit transforms our worship. It transforms our worship. The second part of verse 19 says this, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Full of the Holy Spirit. What? A song is in our heart. The song, a song of God's goodness and of his grace, and of his mercy, and of his we sang it this morning, of his love, of what Christ has accomplished for us. And we sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord. Now, this looks differently in different people. I understand, okay? I'm not saying everybody has to be expressive or everybody has to be solemn and serious and you know, right? but it will express itself some way through you. There will be singing in your heart, all right? Now, you know whether there's singing in your heart. When we're singing worship, when we're doing worship here on on Sunday mornings, I know this isn't the only place we do worship, but we gather together as a community. When we do worship, is there singing in your heart? When we are singing a song like Jesus paid it all, and there's no melody in one's heart, I think Paul would say, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? That's not to call anyone out. You know what's going on in your heart. I don't. Okay? It has very little to do with whether you raise your hand or not, whether you dance or not, whether you sing really loudly or not. It has everything to do with what's truly going on in your heart. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. It transforms our worship. And I would say... When our worship is transformed in our hearts, it's certainly, I mean, there would be, be more joyful worship as a community. There'll be more powerful, deep, dynamic worship as we gather. It transforms our worship. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that our worship is transformed. Number three, verse 20 tells us that being filled with the Spirit transforms our hearts to be grateful. It, it just does something in our hearts where we are grateful Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God for everything, in all circumstances, at all times. Now, I don't know about you, but I think we need the Holy Spirit to be thankful like this, right? We know it's easy to give, I mean, it's, it's easier to give thanks when, when things are going well at our job, when our marriages are going, they're strong, when it doesn't seem like we have difficulties, it's easy to give thanks and say, I'm thankful for this thing. But Paul here is saying, give thanks always and for everything. Always and for everything. I've heard people say before, we're not supposed to thank God for everything. We're just supposed to thank God in everything. I don't know. This says for everything, right? Thank God always and for everything. Someone who's full of the Holy Spirit just is thankful. I mean, certainly for the, for, the, for the very evident blessings of life. But thankful for all things in all circumstances to God the Father. They're giving thanks to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I think, I think what that means is, I mean, I, I think that, that could point to our prayer lives. We're, we're giving thanks in our prayer. Amen to that. But I think when he, when he says, give thanks to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I think it means that all of, that all of life is centered on, on Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished. And so in everything, no matter what's going on, we can give thanks to God because we know that he's good. We know that he has a good purpose because we see Jesus. Right? Romans 8.28, a, 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 a favorite verse for people who are going through hardship. And we know, Paul says, that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So being filled with the Spirit transforms our hearts to be glad and thankful and grateful. And being filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 21 tells us, transforms our relationships. Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes through this list. And the last thing he says is, be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The most immediate context certainly shows us, speaks to us about the roles of husbands, wives, parents, children, and masters and servants, and the submissive um, the, 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 the authority structure God has, but I certainly think there's also application that we are called to humble ourselves before others, to submit ourselves before others, to go lower and serve others, those who are around us. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, it transforms relationships. My relationship, my relationship with, you, with you is not in, in the flesh, it's this way, it is for all of us. What can I get out of this? When we're full of the Holy Spirit, it is not self-centered, but I am submitting myself to others. I am here for your benefit. I am here to serve you, to submit to you, to go underneath you and prop you up and help encourage you and bless you. I am here for your benefit. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, it transforms relationships. It totally transforms relationships in the community of God's people. Notice it says submitting to one another. Okay, that that those two words again. One another. What's that talk? Community. In the church, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are called to honor one another and consider others more important than us. Paul tells us this in, in Philippians chapter 2 looking to Jesus as our example. Consider others more important than you. Humble yourselves. Like Jesus did. And he came in the form of man, humbled himself, took on flesh, was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our example of humility. That's our example of submitting ourselves for the sake of others or to others out of reverence for Christ. <clears throat> so, finally, this morning, and I want to spend just a bit of time here. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit continually? and ongoing. How are we filled and how do we keep being filled? Well, we are commanded to be filled. I so, mean, it's a little confusing because we're commanded to be filled, but we're not the one who does the filling. The Holy Spirit is, right? So we're commanded to be filled, but we, we can't just take a picture and fill ourselves, right? It's something that God must do. However, like last week, with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, there are means that God uses when we pursue them by faith. That's the optimal phrase, by faith. When we pursue these means that God has given us by faith, God blesses them. And so I have a few things I want to go through. How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we pursue this? How can we seek to be full of the Holy Spirit? If it's something God commands, it's something that he... That he um, It's a command. I think it's also a promise. It's a command, and when we pursue it, it's a promise that He will. So, as I go through this, and as I go through these points, I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is a person, and we are in relationship with this person. So, it's not just about following a method or procedure or some steps, but it's about fellowship with a person. All right? So how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? First, we should seek to fill ourselves with the life-giving word of Christ. We should seek to fill ourselves with the life-giving word of Christ. Colossians chapter 3, 16, or chapter 3 verse 16, is a, it's a verse that is so similar to Ephesians 5.18. Let me read it for you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Did you see some similarities between be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Those who are full of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christ, not that old, musty message you heard a long time ago, but I'm saying the word of Christ dwelling richly in us, right? What Christ has accomplished and all that it means, those who are full of this message, the word of Christ, they are full of the Holy Spirit. I remember there's, there's this one day just a few weeks ago, when I was just spending some time praying and seeking the Lord, and just the verse came to me out of Galatians chapter six, the verse I love this verse. over the last few years, I've spent lots of time thinking about it, but it just, it just hit me again. Galatians 6:14 says, "Far be it from me that I would boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ." And I just all of a sudden this landed on me. It's just like God just gave this to me. It was, wasn't like he, he, he spoke something else, but he spoke His word to me, the word of Christ. And all of a sudden, my heart was lifted, as it were, to the heights of heaven. No, I didn't go to heaven. I didn't see a vision. But my heart was so lifted in joy, I was full of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to... Uh, how do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? We fill ourselves with the life-giving word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Remind yourself of the gospel day day after day, after day, after day. In our flesh, we are prone to wake up and just think, I am Josh. I got all these things I got to do today. I'm tired. I'm groggy. My back is a little achy. And I don't know what I think about life, right? So what? So we, we need to remind ourselves. And sometimes, quite frankly, sometimes we feel like we are alienated from God. We feel like he's a million miles away. So what do we do? We remind ourselves. I think I shared this last week, maybe. I mean, we just want to, I mean, one of my favorite lines in an old hymn is, um, is from uh, Christ the Solid Rock. It's the very first line. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I start many mornings with that. Just right, Just that. My hope today, it's not built on whether I can perform well. It's not built on whether things are gonna all work out for me today. It not, it's not, it's not, it's not, has nothing to do with any of those things. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And something happens in my heart when I believe that. Like, yeah, life is good. God is good. I have a bright future, right? So fill yourself with the life-giving word of Christ. But don't just do that also do this, ask, seek, and knock in faith for the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells us how to pray, right? He tells us how to pray. And he goes through this story of, of a man who goes to his friend at midnight seeking bread. And, uh, <clears throat> and in that same context, he says, whoever asks, receives, whoever seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. If you, and then he says, if you being an evil father, and he's just talking about fallen fathers, doesn't mean, we, I mean we're just despicable human beings, but just we are, we are fallen, saved by grace, but imperfect fathers. If you being an imperfect father know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, Jesus says, will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more? That's why he added in faith at the end of that. Ask, seek, and knock in faith not groveling on the ground saying, oh, please, if you could find it somewhere in your heart. to," But come to God and say, I'm asking you, Father, your word says that you are more glad to give your Holy Spirit to me. It says, how much more will you give the Holy Spirit than me, a parent who loves giving good things to my children? Ask, seek, and knock in faith. Number three, and this might go more toward How do we not just be filled with the Holy Spirit, but keep being filled with the Holy Spirit? Walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Number three is seek to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember, we're in relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He's in us. He's upon us. We want him to fill us. We want to be overflowing with him. And we want to walk in such a manner that we do not grieve him. In the previous chapter in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, and I'm reading verses 29 and 30 to make a point. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, Paul says. Don't grieve him, One way that we grieve him, and there are many ways that we grieve him, but one way that we grieve him is with our mouths, with our lips, with our tongue, with the words that we speak. Three weeks ago, I uh, was sharing with our youth group on Wednesday night over in the Oasis room, and we were going through the book of James, and we spent time in James chapter three. Oh my goodness, the tongue. (laughs) It's like a, it's like a, like a fire that just burns a forest before it, you know, just we speak, I love you, Lord, and then we curse other people who are made in his image. I don't know if there's another way that we lose, I mean, if we're full of the Holy Spirit, we can grieve him and just, it's not like he leaves us, but but it's like we lose a sense of his presence, of his fullness. I don't know if there's a quicker way that we do that than with our lips, right? I mean, it's, there are times, and I mean I there there have been times in the last two weeks, I mean, I, this is recent history, okay, where I am, you know, I'm i feel like I'm living in, in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and then and then I'm talking to somebody, and one time it was my, my wife, unfortunately, and just the way I was speaking, I was like I could I could feel the Holy Spirit leaking out of me. All right. Now I know it doesn't leak out of us, but it was just like, and afterwards, it's like, what was I doing? Now, thankfully, I recognize it and I repented and turned from it, but we we grieve him mightily with our lips. That's why Paul put those together, speaking curse words, blaspheming God's name, using his name in vain, speaking harshly to other people. What does Paul say? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only the things that are going to build up and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Number four, this goes along with grieving, but I think there's a nuanced difference here. Don't seek to not quench the Holy Spirit. Okay, how do we how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? And how do we stay filled or continue to be filled? Seek to not quench the Holy Spirit. And when you do, repent. All right? Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. He's talking about, um, let me just read it so I don't mess it up. Do not quench the Spirit. Pretty straightforward. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. I think it's not a bad idea to talk about this since we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit coming up here very soon. One way that we quench the Holy Spirit is when we despise what he's doing in other people or through other people. Okay? There are people who are more expressive in worship, and I believe it quenches the Holy Spirit when they are looked at with disdain. Okay? Of course, we want to do things orderly. We want want God to be glorified. We don't want distractions. I understand all of that. But when God is moving in someone, and they're exalting the Lord, and they're expressive in worship, and someone is sneering in the back, it quenches the Holy Spirit. It does. When someone says, I feel like God has given me something to share, and they share it, and I'm here, okay? I'm, I'm, I mean, especially with this, this example, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm one of the pastors here, okay? I and mean, someone gets up with a microphone, I'm like, okay, what are they going to say? And they say something, and some of it's good, and some of it's really not, okay? I mean, I'm not trying to be mean here, but... <clears throat> what does Paul say here? says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. What does he say after that? Hold on to what is good and just discard what's not. (laughs) I want everything to be good, right? You guys are like, yeah, I I want everything to be good too. That's why sometimes I wonder what you're saying up there. (laughs) Don't quench the Spirit, okay? We should seek to be discerning We don't want to turn our brains off. Believe it or not, the Bible never says anywhere. If if you know of a place that says this, please show me. It never says anywhere, don't think, just drink. I've heard people say that before. Don't think, just drink, just receive, whatever's going on. It doesn't say that, okay? We don't want to turn our brains off, but we also don't want to sit in judgment on everything that makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It quenches the spirit. And finally... Number five, and I want to stop, I want to end here. We need to seek the Holy Spirit's leadership in our life and surrender to him. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's facing the cross and um, he's sweating. I mean, he's under such anguish and pressure and stress. He's sweating drops of blood. And he says to the Father, if there's any way for this to pass, nevertheless, you not my will, but your will be done. If Jesus, the perfect God-man, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, was submitting himself to the Father's will, should we not, as we seek the Holy Spirit's fullness, should we not say, I want your leadership? I want to I want to follow you. I want you to be the leader here. I want to follow your lead. I want to submit to your will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. I wonder how many here have ever, you've you've lived with the Holy Spirit in that kind of relationship where you're like, you're the leader. You lead. You guide. You direct. You give me wisdom. You show me where to go. Your will be done, not my will be done. We get up with our plans. We get up with our things we have planned that we're going to do during the day. And I'm not saying that you get up and say, Holy Spirit, should I go to work today? I don't really feel like it, so I must not, maybe I'm not supposed to. I'm not saying that, okay? Don't go there, okay? But we should seek to live in such a relationship with Holy Spirit that we are conscious of his leadership in our life. We are conscious of wanting to move with him, wanting to submit to his will, wanting to surrender to his ways. So why don't you stand with me and let's pray. And let's pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember how I said today, tomorrow, next year, yesterday, today, tomorrow, next year, five years from now, 10 years from now, every day without a day off, this is a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit until either you die or or Jesus comes back. Okay, so don't, let's not wait till you go home and say, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna think about this when I get home and and then maybe I'll ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. Let's do it right now, okay? Let's do it right now so that whatever you do today, you're addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's a song in your heart. You're worshiping to God. Everything that you do is a worship, an act of worship to God. You're giving thanks to God in all things and you're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, we want this. We wanna be spirit-filled people Our homes, we want to be a spirit filled church, God, so that when we gather together in community, whether it's in homes, at life groups, whether it's a fellowship night, whether it's here gathered corporately for worship, God, we want to be a spirit filled church. And so, Father, would you pour out your spirit today in Jesus' name? We come to you based on the finished work of Christ, He's our only hope. But I thank you that through Jesus we have been made clean and whole, He's washed away all of our sins and he has purchased through his blood this gift of the Holy Spirit. He's purchased with his blood this gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only forgiveness, not only eternal life, not only reconciliation, those are precious beyond measure, but he's purchased the down payment, this this glorious gift, the person of the Holy Spirit, that we would know him in fullness. And so I pray, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit as we are filling ourselves with the word of Christ. And we come asking, seeking, and knocking that you are a good and gracious Father and you know what we need. We think we know what we need. We have our list of things that we think we need. You know what we need. And you know that we need the Holy Spirit. So Father, fill us with your Spirit, we pray. We ask, we seek after it with all of our hearts and God, we come knocking today. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want to be spirit-filled believers. We want to be a spirit-filled church so that, God, these results of speaking words of life, ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying and praying powerfully so that our worship would be transformed, God, so that our, our hearts would be uh, transformed to be grateful and full of thanksgiving. God, come, we pray, and fill us with your Spirit. And God, may you get glory, great glory and honor through it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.